All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Tuesday. It's February 25th. I'm Doug Norrie, and that is... James Davis. And I am not over my tilt from last night, buddy. I talked to you a little bit about oh, it on, on the podcast before. I mean, on the time before the podcast here that we talked for like five minutes before we jump into this thing because we're professionals. And uh, I don't know. I just can't get over it. Giannis getting foul, fouling out before overtime. Brandon Clark getting hurt, although he was chalk, so I'm not too worried about that. Getting there all the way on Dennis Smith Jr. and even R.J. Barrett and to miss cashing, at least on FanDuel, by a few points was uh, – was almost more than I can take. Do you feel like do you oh, have a good? Man. Do you have a good? <laughs> you have, you're feigning interest because we already had this conversation. But if we did, one thing I do. Do you have a good? Do you have a good I'm not feigning. I'm not feigning interest in how sad you are. I'm sad that you're that it's still sticking with you, buddy. I, you know, you have to dust yourself back off. Get back in the saddle. What's a you what's like a good remedy for tilt? I don't know. You feel like you've had yeah. a lot of tilt in your life between poker and DFS. Um, well, I'll say. My, the way I handle it these days is a lot better than the way I used to handle <laughs> when I was a young man. <laughs> like. Uh, my, like when I busted out of the Reno World Poker Tour event and promptly took whatever winnings I took right over to the blackjack table with my <laughs> other friends, proceeded to play for 10 straight hours of blackjack and lose it all back to the casino. But I don't know if there's something like that you can do today. <laughs> like if, no, I'm just going to go to a know. coffee shop and just stare out at the scenery, I think. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> I think actually, the, the, honestly, the, the best thing for me is, and this sounds maybe weird, but is just going back and playing again because... If you can come back with a fresh mindset to it, you'll have new things to be mad about tomorrow, but probably you'll be less mad about those things. The good or thing about hey, DFS, the good thing about <laughs> DFS is it doesn't afford you the opportunity to tilt in that kind of way, just because you know. Cut to all the people who are chasing their losses on the late slate, but yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, the next morning, yeah, you get the late slate <laughs> stuff. You get the late slate stuff. I'm I'm pretty good about not doing that. Um, it's 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 the okay. next morning stuff that you can't you know you can't sit there and luckily you can't sit there and grind like you know South Korean soccer. You know, for for the whole night, just in case <laughs> this happened on the other side, happened on the other side of the globe, just because you're mad about what sure. happened. I mean, I guess you could if you were just like interested in, in finding some betting lines. Anyway, we're gonna get into a Tuesday set of action here. Not a ton of injury news going on, though. There's some little pieces that that are hanging out here and there. We'll get to those. Some interesting games for sure, uh, and then maybe t- possibly looking at a situation where we maybe even stack one of these teams for cash. The first game is Charlotte goes in and plays the Pacers. The Pacers are fresh after getting fresh off of getting absolutely killed by the Raptors the other day uh, without old. They did not have old depot. And then they also, it's not the biggest news because he wasn't starting, but it probably does mean something for some of the wings is that uh, Jeremy Lamb is now out for the season. He had everything go wrong with this leg. He tore his ACL, tore his MCL and had a fractured. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, this, he, and he had a fracture in his knee. He had that injury happen, and he went out and shot his foul shots before, <laughs> before he went to the locker room. It's like um, Kobe stuff. I mean, Legend. it's just absolutely unbelievable. So the, and the injury news here is that Oladipo is still questionable right now, but though uh, for sure we'll have the injury news before this game. Where do we land on this team now? No Lamb. I, I, probably, I, I wrote up T.J. Warren. I think Malcolm Brogdon's probably a, just a definite play if Oladipo's not there, and if he's if he is there, I mean he's close anyway. Give me your thoughts on this team, at least from the indie side. I'm not sure how much of this Charlotte side I'm interested in. Yeah, the Charlotte side. I mean, they're now in a situation where they're sort of appropriately priced, and there's not a lot of obvious value jumping off the page. Um, on the indie side, though, I think there are some interesting plays here. I think Aaron Holiday. Uh, he played 32 minutes after Oladipo missed against Toronto. Uh, he was great on these basically minimum prices, and while 
Oladipo's uh, status is still up in the air here. If Lamb is going to sit, I feel like there's some overlap there, and we could see Holiday kind of squeeze those minutes as well. So uh, I'm definitely keeping my eye on Holiday. Um, and, you know, coming off this, the bench and being a part of the second unit, if Oladipo were to return, I think that would still be just fine for him. Like, I, I think he'll get plenty of usage off the bench too. So definitely keeping an eye on Holiday. Uh, Brogdon, like you said, the price just hasn't moved. It's been 6100 for like two weeks, it seems like, and he just clocks in around that 31 to 35 fantasy point range every single night, and I'd expect him to do something similar. Uh, yeah, I, I think Indy, or I, you know, it's very early in the slate. We haven't hit a lot of the any of the late games, obviously, yet, but early on, I'd say there's probably a decent number of pretty solid plays here, if not spectacular ones. Yeah, I don't even mind Sabonis at 8,300. He's just like a, he's actually one of the few big men in the game that can push around that 36, 37 minute in the right kind of scenario. So um, he's only 8,300 on FanDuel. I, he's a double double basically on lock when he gets the minutes as well. So uh, this is an interesting one. I, like I said, we're going to keep an eye out for the Old Depot piece, know who's going to be in the starting lineup. We're going to have no worries about what that stuff is going to be since this is the first 7 o'clock game. But we have to go all the way to all the way to 7.30 for the next game. <laughs> Milwaukee goes in and plays Toronto. The uh, no injury, I, you know, there was maybe some speculation yesterday that the Bucks would rest guys on the front end of the back to back because they were playing the Wizards, mm-hmm. but they didn't do that. And it's almost assured that they're not going to do it on the second part at the back to back, though they have already clinched the playoffs. That was probably that was just a foregone conclusion, anyway. Just nice, now, now. <laughs> yeah, champagne. Well, what is funny about yeah, just 57 games into the season, they're like, well, we're in the playoffs, they'd have to <laughs> just no, no, we could lose every game on the way out here. What are your thoughts here? The game, the game has a pretty high total. It's sitting at 231 right now, which is the second highest of the slate. There's a couple games that aren't in, but I suspect that it ends up as the second highest of the slate. Uh, cash game viable guys here like Giannis in a game where you feel like he's going to get max run after fouling out and sitting out uh, last night. Um, guys like him, I, we tend to not really go the Milwaukee route on these other guys uh, when Giannis is around. And then Toronto side, you got to figure these guys, they play that core group a lot of minutes. That Van Vliet, Lowry, Siakam, not so much OG, and a little bit of Baca. Those guys play a ton of minutes in close games. Is, is there stuff that's viable here from a cash game perspective? Yeah, I think Giannis is a great place to start. You know, the fact that this game only has a one point spread means that you're going to get way more minutes out of him, at least on average, than you normally would. Of course, last night's game went to overtime, as you well know, and he only played 24 minutes. So uh, you hate to see that, but hey, he'll be well-rested tonight, I guess. Um, One thing I like to do for teams like Milwaukee that play these really kind of disparate game scripts where they're involved in blowouts so often and they have somewhat of an interchangeable lineup, like, you know, Lopez can play more minutes in some matchups and fewer minutes in others, is actually just return to previous matchups with teams earlier in the season and Milwaukee actually did play a game against Toronto very early in the season where they won by just 10 points and uh you know it's kind of a dogfight sort of situation only 35 total points were scored in the fourth quarter Giannis in that game played 37 minutes um was shot 14 of 20 had 15 rebounds and eight assists with five defensive stats too so he absolutely ruined Toronto and you know one thing we talked about with guys like Giannis LeBron is that Going up against different teams, you don't want to look at just uh, defense versus position metrics. You really want to see how they're going to match up specifically because it doesn't really matter how you've done against small forwards, power forwards, whoever, when you're going up against these singular talents. So the fact that Giannis absolutely wrecked these guys earlier in the season leads me to believe that he should be 
you know, right there at the top of your cash game considerations for your big money payoff guys. Yeah, I think people would just be trying to decide between him and LeBron at the position, obviously, because the Lakers do get a really good matchup. We'll talk about them shortly. But if you're looking for games where you can go be very bullish on the Milwaukee starting numbers, and when we say that again, we're usually talking about Giannis, this is just the type of game. So if you want to go 33, 34 minutes in a projection, um, I think that's and I, that does that should sound crazy, but look, in close games sometimes, or excuse me, blowouts, Giannis can play 30, 31 minutes, and that's that's usually where your risk comes from on him. So yep. um, I think this is the one where we can be pretty aggressive, at least on on his minutes. We are waiting on Brook Lopez news. His, his brother Robin got the start yesterday. It wasn't all that effective, even as a starter from a fantasy perspective, so I'm not probably going back there. Hopefully we'll have the Brook Lopez news. Uh, before before we, we get into the lineup block, anything on the Toronto side? Just you know, mostly with those minutes around the big guys, or we have, and by the big guys, I mean like mostly Van Viet, Lowry, and Siakam, and to some degree the others, the other two starters. But anything to see here on the Toronto side against the uh, you know the best team, basically the best team in basketball right now, the Bucks. Yeah. So right now our system really isn't pulling any of these guys out for cash game purposes. While the Toronto guys are playing big time minutes, it's not really like they're, you know. They're going to be rarely be big time values, almost specifically for that reason, right? Because they play these big minutes, but they do it basically every night. So the prices on guys like, you know, Siakam, Van Bleet, Lowry in particular, they've just come up to a point where it's rarely feels like a good deal to run them. And then you know, Milwaukee, they're this is something I, I we haven't seen since we've started doing this business. They lead the league in pace, so you're like great pace up matchup. But they also lead the league in defensive efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that kind of rates them out as, I would say, a below average matchup for opposing DFS units. Uh, also, just simply because they destroy teams a lot of times. And you never know when you're just going to randomly lose your minutes because Giannis turns on unstoppable mode. And for that reason, I don't see myself running out a lot of Raptors in cash tonight. The only other team that was kind of like that was the Pacers, the peak Pacers. That's not Pacers, geez. The Warriors. I don't know why I said Pacers. Uh, the peak Warriors. <laughs> peak Pacers. What was that like? Like Reggie Miller, um, Stephen Jackson. <laughs> no, the peak Warriors were kind of like this with pace and defense, and it's mostly when you're so efficient on offense, you have time. One of the things is you know you get up and down the court really fast, but you're so efficient on offense that you just score every time, and so then you just get your defense set, and that makes you just so much better on defense. Among other things, they have just elite defenders as well. But there's that one other piece of just making all your baskets does allow you to set your defense in a way that other teams can't as aggressively. So. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a really, really rare thing to see. All right, let's keep moving here through. We have the 8 o'clock. So these first couple games, this, the games are pretty spread out tonight. For the seven games that are on the slate, it goes 7, 7, 30, 8, 9, and then we have three games in the 10 o'clock hour. So we could be waiting on some news, and, and yeah. these early games are spread out in a way that I don't love all the time just because it can kind of make injury news a little tough to figure. But OKC goes in and plays Chicago. This game predictably has a very low total at 217 and a half. OKC is a seven-point road favorite. Uh, no injury news on the OKC side that we really need to be aware of. I and mean, Terrence Ferguson is going to play, but otherwise he's you know kind of a non-factor. All the all the main guys here are going to be on the court. And then on the Chicago side, they're still without marking him. Uh, they are still without Hutchinson. Cornette isn't going to play. Uh, they're dealing with then Wendell Carter Jr. Actually, this is slightly important. He's questionable. Uh, but let's start on the OKC side. Uh, I mean, I feel like most of these guys at this point, Paul, SGA, Gallo, and then maybe not Adams, we can talk about him, are pretty appropriately priced here. And that being said, they're not, none of them are all that expensive. Like, they're all these kind of like mid-tier plays. Uh, thoughts on OKC? Yeah, OKC has been a team that the main pieces will show up, you know, like in our fifth overall lineup, our third overall lineup, you'll get a random 
you know, Chris Paul showing up in 10% of our top 50 lineups. Like that kind of thing will happen from time to time, but they're rarely like a slam dunk value, you know, like we've said before, just simply because they've been pretty healthy, been pretty consistent in how they apply their minutes, at least among the players that matter for DFS purposes. Adams is, I think, a pretty notable exception there, though. Uh, I wrote him up going into that San Antonio game, and if you look at his per-minute stats recently, he's just been really cruising. Like The defensive stats have been absolutely through the roof. Uh, he's playing with a max effort approach there, double double basically on lock in each of the last you know few weeks really, and yeah, he's just when he's going to play that max effort style and be in line for a 32 minute ish rotation, he's probably something slightly more than a 6,500 dollar player. Uh, so when he's you know I'd say right now he's roughly fairly priced, and you know we we were mostly writing him up around that 6,000 range, 5,800 range. So at 6,500 you are paying somewhat of a premium. But this Bulls team, a sneaky great matchup for opposing centers this season. So right now, uh, in spite of playing roughly a league average pace, uh, they're allowing the very most fantasy points to opposing centers this season. And when you get that pairing in particular, because sometimes you're like, oh, well, hey, Houston just plays the second fastest pace in the league. Like, of course, they're going to allow some some amount of DFS scoring. The Bulls don't. They're just a regular team, except they just can't defend on the interior whatsoever. So I think you could see... You know, a smart team like OKC with Paul and SGA, you know, unselfish creators uh, feeding Adams. And I think he just has such a rebounding advantage here that I think you can absolutely roll him out tonight. Yeah, I wrote Adams up uh, on this slate too. The 6,500 didn't feel like a totally crazy number. So I, I'm not, I wasn't so worried about that part of it, um, mostly because the center position in general is, is very weak. The, on the Bulls side, uh, the running guys into OKC is just problematic. Uh, they play a very, very slow pace this season. They play yeah, the 23rd fastest pace, and they're pretty good on defense with a 106 defensive rating. So that, And that ranks in the top 10. So this is just not a spot that you really want to run Bulls guys into. I've been dreaming on wanting Dan Gafford to be like a, something of a value play, but the guy's just an absolute foul machine. He has 15,000 in his last three games, and that's not one of those games that he topped 25 minutes. So he had six fouls in 16 minutes, four fouls in 25 minutes, and then five fouls in 22 against Washington. So uh, I think the per-minute stats in him are interesting. It's just that he just can't get to the per-minute. He can't get to the minutes because he just fouls everything in sight. So yeah. um, outside, and, and, and he'd be dusted if Wendell Carter Jr. came back anyway. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's probably a non-starter, but if you want a game, or if you think you, you want to shoot some upside, and you think you can get a game where you can just stay out of foul trouble for five minutes, then Gafford is interesting. It's kept the price down. Yeah. All right, nine o'clock game. Detroit goes in and plays Denver. Uh, Detroit, obviously, just a total train wreck at this point. Um, fully in the tank. Traded Drummond away. Mm-hmm. The Drummond trade trade is hilarious, but because he's not even playing for Cleveland now, he's going to pick up the option. So have fun, the Cavs, <laughs> with that uh, with that contract. But. Um, Detroit, like, you know, Christian Wood was starting, then he was coming off the bench, but he still kind of plays like 30-something minutes. Derrick Rose is starting, only plays 27 minutes a game. Uh, Those seem like fairly safe in the usages there. Uh, Bruce Brown's questionable. This team's a mess. I don't know. And then now they run into Denver. But our system's showing Derrick Rose right now at 4,900 on FanDuel. Is it? Mm. Oh, man. I wrote him up because (laughs) because there's some expensive plays. There's expensive plays, and you're going to need some cheap value, right? Like Aaron Holiday, like you mentioned, helps, but it doesn't get you all the way there. Uh, Rose at 4,900, like, can we get 25 minutes out of this guy? They're going to get killed, you would assume. But um, I still, he kind of still gets up like 15 to 16 shots a game, even with limited minutes. Yeah, you have to figure Rose is looking around at the guys he's playing with right now and being like, 
I think I'm going to shoot this possession. He's like, nobody <laughs> wanted me in a trade? Like a nobody? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to pass to like Seiko or this other guy, like new guy. I don't know. His Reggie, name Reggie, Reggie got to go to the Clippers. Like how come I can't go to the Clippers? <laughs> yeah, well, because unfortunately Rose kind of turned himself into an asset this season right. uh, where Jackson's just more of a ball stopper and a liability. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Rose, it's pretty close for me. Like he played 27 minutes against Portland. He was terrible. Uh, one troubling sign for me is, you know, he is another player that we've noted uh, where the effort makes a big difference. The defensive stats have absolutely fallen off a cliff since Detroit has gone into a tank. Two rebounds total in his last three games. I don't know. I think there's some, there's at least some reason to look at him and wonder if his per season averages are appropriate to apply to a game like this. I think there's incredible big tournament upside, like on the off chance that Detroit is within eight points going into the fourth quarter. You could see Rose score 45 or 50 fantasy points. For cash games, though, man, like heading in to, to Denver with the altitude, terrible opponent, 12-point underdogs, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough sell. I'd really rather turn in some other direction. And Bruce Brown is another one I'm like moderately interested in. Even if you weren't starting, he's been... And we played a little Bruce Brown. But he's, question, he's <laughs> questionable. And so it's... Because, you know, he's essentially... Oh, you're definitely never going to pay him if he's questionable. He's, and he's... Because he's essentially their backup point guard right now. Or they're starting... I don't even know what they're doing here. Like, he comes off the bench, but he's kind of a point guard. And he can kind of do stuff. I don't know. It's just such a bad matchup against Denver. Denver, another one. They're getting fully healthy at this point. I'm not sure even against a Detroit team that just has really nothing going for it. How excited you want to get about any of these guys. I mean, yeah, you got 20. You had a huge game out of Millsap last game. He played 25 minutes. He went for 25 and 7 against Minnesota. They have their own defensive issues. I don't think you can really trust him even at 5,300. He's not going to hit max minutes. And I, really the rest of the team, I feel the same way. Like with them being healthy, there's big blowout risk. Anything more than just GBP upside here? Yeah, not really. I, I just don't. I would really rather not be involved. And I don't even see tons, honestly, of big GPP upside on the Denver side either. Like, I don't, I don't know. This is not a game that I'm looking to heavily target. I think Denver actually, you know, they have their own kind of rotational questions now that they are so healthy. And a lot of the guys that we were turning to for upside may be more limited in minutes, you know, even in normal game scripts. And so no, I'd rather stay away here. All right. Uh, 10 o'clock, let's get into the 10 o'clock game. We have two 10 o'clocks and a 10.30 game. The big one I think most people will be focused on probably from a cash game perspective is the Lakers hosting the Pelicans. Lakers are eight-point home favorites against a Pelican team that Zion makes a difference. Uh, there's no, no doubt about it. They are Strong Pelicans. Player. Pelicans are now. It's going to be really interesting what happens here because Memphis just lost Jaron Jackson Jr. and probably just lost uh, Brandon Clark. And right now, New Orleans surging. It's only three games back from them in the loss column for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like I think there's a, I think they just have to be considered almost the favorites to make the playoffs at this point. Like the way if they're getting fully healthy, this is the Pelicans. Um, and if they're get, if Zion just clearly is everything that was promised so far <laughs> like it's uh it really no, nothing in doubt actually if, with that kind of run if they make the playoffs he could actually take over the rookie of the year uh, talk even though Josh seemed to have that uh, in hand anyway that's more just random pelican thoughts and from dfs perspective I, the lakers are the highest total uh, on the slate here pelicans play ultra fast do we just stack lebron and ad in this game and just say look these are the two pieces this has such a massive cash game floor in this matchup, and then we'll just kind of do business with whatever's left around the rest of the lineup. Like, does that feel like a fair strategy on this mm. on this league? Yeah, I mean, certainly you're going to want at least one of them, I would say. But I think it, it you get into trouble when you're like lock two of the most expensive guys on the slate and see where the chips fall because 
you know, if, if there isn't value to support a strategy like that, then you can fall apart pretty quickly. I think that's why I got Derek know, Rose love, there. That's what that's why that's, that's why I, mentioned I mean. <laughs> well, God love him, but you know, I feel like our chatters will fall into this sometimes. Or like this guy's a lock, and this guy's a lock, and this guy's a lock, and you're like, okay, well, that was twenty eight thousand dollars of your salary. So now you have six other positions to fill. So just like fill me in on who you can play around those guys to make it work. Um, one thing I think is sort of interesting: last two times these teams played, the Lakers were twenty one points ahead going into the fourth quarter. And here were the minutes for some of the big names. Anthony Davis, 38 minutes. Yeah. LeBron, 37 minutes. Uh, you scroll over to the other side. Drew Holiday, 36 minutes. Ingram, 35. Ball, 33. Of course, Zion wasn't healthy for this game just yet. But I think especially with some of the acrimony around the trade, the Anthony Davis trade, these two teams are just kind of ready to step on each other's right. throats a little bit and really make it count. I do think that matters. You know, the Lakers... Eight-point favorites here, but I think the willingness on both sides to really try to slam the or slam the door on the Lakers slide and catch up on the New Orleans side leads me to believe that the minutes are safer than they would be in an average eight-point game. So yeah, I've got no blowout concerns here. You love the big total. I think the fact that DFS production is so consolidated on the Lakers makes them very attractive. And I think going the other way too, the Pelicans, you know, as good as Zion has been and the return of Ingram, they've still retained plenty of their DFS value here. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking at guys like Lonzo Ball and you know, Zion himself. I, I think there's value going both ways here. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of minutes out of, all, out of those basically six guys that you mentioned. And you know, by a lot of minutes for Zion, I mean 33 to 34 minutes. I, I do think, yeah. I, and especially now, like, and I, this matters, the, the, that they see the playoffs in their sights now. Like, I think there's a very real path for them to the playoffs, and I think that just mm-hmm. those, all those little things matter. So the Lakers have been doing it all season long with their starters, uh, specifically, excuse me, not their starters, with LeBron and AD uh, being very aggressive on the minutes. Uh, but after that, I, yeah, it's a little weird because the Lakers are a very good defensive team, and they're not all that fast. Like, they play the third-best defense in the league, and their pace is only 103. So it's not a great just DFS matchup for the Pelicans, but I'm here what you're saying about just if you want to get aggressive on all their minutes, this really does feel like the game to go. I, I think in the end, at least on FanDuel, we see a LeBron and AD stack. Um, we just They're already so close to cash game lineups right now. LeBron's basically in 100% of lineups, um, and AD is close. AD's been on an absolute tear in the last two games since the All-Star break as well. So I think that's what you see as a chalk ownership, um, and I think I'd probably want to – not move heaven and earth to make it happen, but I just don't think that's going to be the case anyway. I think it's just going to end up sort of falling into – it's just going to kind of falling into that scenario. Uh, the rest of the cheap guys on this team, like the Avery Bradleys and Danny Greens, are really nothing more than fodder. It's, it's really those two guys uh, I think you're looking mm-hmm. at. Ten, other 10 o'clock game, Boston goes in and plays Portland. The big injury news here, obviously, is Kemba Walker remains out. They're being very cautious with him. Uh, they've really consolidated the usage around – Guys like Tatum's been on absolute terror over the last month. Uh, Jalen Brown has gets crazy usage when Kemba Walker's off the court. Uh, and then even guys like Smart are getting a lot of minutes as well. Hayward. And, and Hayward, too. It's really those four guys. Yeah, the four guys. And Because you know what? The, the, the thing is, they all can pick up secondary ball handling responsibilities. Now, the prices have all come up uh, you know, accordingly, though Hayward's assists have really been nice over the last couple of games. Not that much. I mean, I, like I'm looking at these Boston guys. It's funny when you were like, the big game and the 10 o'clock slate. Yeah, that people are going to be looking at. I kind of thought at first you were going to be talking about Boston-Portland because I actually really like these four Boston pieces. You know, the other night, you know, when I was kind of the chief person on the system, we ran all four of these guys in cash on DraftKings, and people were like, this is my good, this is a perfect impersonation. Ah, 
wow, we got four Boston guys in our DraftKings lineup. Yeah. Wow. Like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, yeah, because they're all just awesome plays. <laughs> so, you know, we're going we're gonna to play all four of them. And they were all great. You know, Hayward, I think he was like 7% owned. He went for 48 fantasy points. I, I love the Celtics guys. I think they're all, like, I think Smart is definitely still underpriced. You just look at what he's done in the last three games. 50 fantasy points, 30-30. Rock solid on 5,300. Uh, fine matchup here against Portland. I like both the small forwards. I like Tatum, too. Tatum might be the one guy that's that's hovering around overpriced to me because I do really love the recent production, but I feel like history has sort of told us that you can't necessarily always trust the big in mid-season jump like this. Um, you know, I, I know there's context there with Kemba being out and Tatum taking the leap and, you know, whatever else, but... That one, that that's the one that would concern me the most. But the other three guys, I'd be happy to play. Yeah, in our Fanduel lineups right now, Marcus Smart is basically an all of them at fifty three hundred. Gordon Hayward's in a hundred percent of lineups right now at sixty six hundred. I wrote up, I, I wrote up all four of them. I wrote up Jalen and uh, and Tatum as well. Yeah, I, the, Portland is not a good defensive team by any stretch of the imagination. They rank. Oh, I just clicked off it. Shoot. I think I'm pretty sure they're like 25th in the league in, in defensive efficiency. Oh, 26. I was close. They're 26 in defensive efficiency. That doesn't really get better or worse necessarily with Dame off the court. So um, it's not like they have tons of the defensive horses. Gary Trent's been getting the star behind them. But it's not like they bring in like some defensive stoppers when Dame isn't around. So um, yeah, this is just a really good matchup. And I'm with you. I This one probably ends up being closer because it's a little less sexy to go with the Boston guys. But from a just an opportunity standpoint, you're probably right in the prices specifically on Hayward and Smart have just not come up to requisitely meet what their production is going to be. And Smart, by the way, he's been decent, but I always get, I'm always, I always like guys where they've been decent, but they've been decent in a bunch of different ways, meaning that they, there's a path for them to be amazing if it all comes together, right? Like they just do so many, mm-hmm. like they, you know, they have some scoring, they have some assists, they get the defensive numbers, but it hasn't all gotten put together into one game yet. So, um, that I'm always a little intrigued by stuff like that because I do feel like that's what keeps the price down. I think that'll be an interesting. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting. Um, sort of, you can't do both. You can't play the Boston guys and all the Boston guys and the Lakers guys. So it's just not you're really kind of non-starter out of the box on that strategy. But um, yeah, I'm with you. It's interesting that you kind of thought I was talking about that game instead of the Lakers on the Portland side. What do we want to do with guys like CJ? The price has finally come up. FanDuel had a hilarious tweet the other day. It was like, it was like CJ McCollum's line. He had like 70 fantasy points. Um, it was like, who, it was like, the, the tweet was the picture of his line, like on the FanDuel interface. And it was like, who played CJ McCollum today? What a game. And, ever, and they just got ruined on Twitter, like ratioed on Twitter. Cause it was like literally everybody. Cause you kept them at 7,000. He was like a 92% starter or something like that. It was like the, the Twitter people just didn't, or just didn't, you know, don't know what the, the hand scratch. One of the whatever. absolute head scratchers too, because going like, I, I wrote that up, you know, I, I was on the system for the new Orleans game and he was 94% start. And then I was writing the picks for, for the Detroit game, although I, I wasn't the chief person on the system that night. And I looked at the price. I literally rubbed my eyes and looked at it again, and I was like, 7000 I because, thought our system you know, API hadn't updated. I, like well, I, this, I, this is exactly what, where I was going with this. Because our system, you know, we write the picks the night before. We bring the feed in. Um, and sometimes it doesn't update on time. And I was like, come on. And I, I went and I downloaded the whole thing again, plugged it back in there. And I was like, okay, it's here. And then I did a sanity check in a FanDuel contest. I was like, 7,000. Right. He's going to literally hit the 100% mark. Or it's going to be an indicator like, well, whatever percent don't play McCollum, that's the percentage that aren't you know, listening to podcasts or reading 
columns or you know <laughs> using DFS optimizers because this is that that was maybe the worst price of the year. So hats off to FanDuel and then making a post. Oh, the, of that. the tweet, the tweet That's is what the so tweet is what funny. gets there. It's, it's so amazing. <laughs> it's it's like so just like be more clueless or just not care. I think FanDuel. I just think well, they don't, they don't care. They, they've been and then McCollum's not the only guy that's been egregiously mispriced or just like left at the same random price or or just like Jared know. Allen stole power forward. Just like whatever, who cares? Yeah, they're just they're over it, dude. They're like, <laughs> yeah, we'll be over here printing our millions. You'll show up because. DFS is better when you play against other people, and we've just got enough market share. So, screw you. I still, I still love playing FanDuel. I'm not mad about it. It's just I think it's, Me too. I, FanDuel's the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite place to play. I just think it's hilarious that they're so out of touch with their own product. All right. Uh, let's finish this thing. Oh, real quick. But, but the Portland guys, like, see, I mean, McCollum took 30 shots last game. Like, yeah. and, and, he played 40, assists, too. and he played 43 minutes. Like, is this is a really bad matchup against the Celtics. Celtics are one of the best defensive yeah. teams in basketball. Is he still – that was my – actually, this is a question I was going for with this. Was, is he still – underpriced though like at, at 8500 that last game line obviously 8500 would look too low right and so i don't know what the what the fair price for him too because if, if, if him without without lillard if he's a nine thousand dollar player obviously then we're getting value at 8500 and i get that it's mm. more than it was before is he, or is he still a value play or is this just not the matchup to run him into uh, i don't think he's a value play in this matchup i think he's a reasonable play and i think you know, you look at the shot chart recently, 25 shots against Memphis, 22 against New Orleans, 30, like you mentioned, against Detroit. And he really is trying to do this mini Lillard impersonation of what Lillard was doing before he went down uh, with 22 assists in his last two games as well. Um, so I, I think the price is like essentially fair. I think you can play him here. I think Boston, you know, a tough matchup, but with Portland, it, it's like, what are their other options? Like he's just the only real creator. Like Melo can get shots in the air, sure. Uh, but Ariza, not going to create on his own. Whiteside, not going to create on his own without getting passed to. So I don't I don't see a path for Portland being a five-point underdog in this game, which is what they are right now, that doesn't involve him shooting at least 20-plus times, right? And if he's going to do that, the floor is still pretty high. Yeah, I think that's. I think I agree with that. There's no line on this game right now, and I'm not exactly sure why. I see. I see five points. Oh, it just Boston's came in. Way. I just refreshed. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's five points with. So it's, you're not really worried about blowout risk here, which is good. That's that was kind of you know on the road. I wasn't right. really worried about it anyway, but or for Boston, but um, I think you. I think you can go max minutes like 41, 42 minutes on McCollum. I, I mentioned the. Yeah. I, I mentioned the Pelicans um, making a playoff push. Uh, Portland probably in, in their mind sees themselves right there. They're actually ahead of the Pelicans. They're basically or they're essentially tied with New Orleans right now for that that playoff spot. If they thought they could, there was a realistic chance to pass Memphis. And they have to, like after being conference finalists last year, they have to make a push to try to make the. Oh yeah, they're going to be going so. for it. So I think you know going 42, 43 minutes on McCollum is like I, I, that sounds crazy from a projection standpoint. But um, if if there's a situation to do it with, I do believe CJ is the guy to do it with tonight. Final game we have uh, Sacramento goes in and plays Golden State. Sacramento obviously. Obviously, they're circling the drain um, from a playoff perspective. So I don't think that they're going to get there. They've been just kind of a weird mess all season. They've had some injuries and then just not known. I mean, the Bagley and Holmes injuries are pretty bad. But um, they've also just at not, times not seemed to know what they want to do, like Buddy Heal not starting anymore, weird stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a good matchup against Golden State, who is basically the worst def defense in the league, or one of them. They're, yeah, they're 25th in, in defensive efficiency this season. Uh, are, we playing uh, the, uh, are we playing Kings guys on this slate? I Kind of wrote up Darren Fox. I thought about Bogdan and Bogdanovich because he's starting, although all he does is score. Um, Bijalisa is a guy that we've All he does is score. <laughs> Bijalisa is a guy we've, we've talked about before. Um, are the Kings guys at value tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think Bijalisa is definitely in the conversation for me tonight. You know, they're one of these funny teams where they've been involved in a lot of odd game scripts recently, 
and that's made it difficult to project what their minutes should look like. Uh, but I think in close games, you know, guys like Bielitsa, Fox, they're going to look at mid-30s minutes and going up against a Golden State team that's this bad defensively, especially with the potential for Draymond Green to be out here. I think, you know, they have to be in consideration for you. Whether they wind up making the final cut or not, or if there's just enough value elsewhere uh, between like Aaron Holiday and Marcus Smart and, and some of these other plays, you know, that sort of remains to be seen at this point. But I don't think you want to write them off altogether. Uh, on the Golden State side, I'm a little bit more concerned just because Draymond's presence or absence would make such a big difference. Uh, he missed last game with his pelvis injury, currently listed as a game-time decision. I don't know if I would want to stick my neck out on someone like Pascal or something if I didn't have this news. But certainly Draymond's potential absence makes for some pretty interesting upside plays, at least on the late slate, uh, if you don't have this news just yet. Yeah, we got. I don't know if we're going to have that news. It's three and a half hours after and he's after lineup lock, and he's questionable now. Last game, they played really shorthanded. The, the Warriors, they had nine guys. Uh, Wiggins shot a lot, but he was bad, three for 16 from the field. They got some production out of Damian Lee. They got some production out of Jordan Poole. I, if we knew the Draymond stuff, I would easily go back to Pascal as a starting uh, at starting power forward. Marquise Chris is the other piece there. He also sat out last game, and he's questionable. They got Kayvon Looney, got the start. Um, so there is some injury stuff. I'm just not sure we're going to have it. This guy, well, by the way, Juan mm. Toscano Anderson, this guy has been absolutely killing it from a fantasy points per, um, per minute standpoint. He played 28 minutes last game off the bench and went 16 and 8. Just one of these guys, like, just always these guys every year. It's like you just give a uh-huh. certain dude a certain amount of minutes and they just look like absolute all-stars. It's, not, it's usually not repeatable and it's not you can't be have any kind of consistency with it but he's the kind of guy where it's like our system you give him 24 minutes we're like this guy's the second coming of will chamberlain right like it was just what he, with what yeah. he's done early to start but i just don't think we're going to have enough injury news leading into the lock that it's going to be make it so that we can feel anywhere close to safe with any of these warriors guys yeah look at it for your late slate when you're chasing going in that late there slate you you're on tilt because you lost those Giannis minutes that you thought were a sure thing early. Yeah, like... Uh, look, look at him for that 10 p.m. Yeah, like Brogdon just went one for 18 from the field, even though no one played him and you were the only one that did. There you go. That's kind of... that's <laughs> Now we're talking. All right. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals. Gets you started on our projection system powered by our very good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NHL, MLB coming so soon here, about a month away on opening day. Astros guys already getting hit in spring training, so that's going to be a fun season. Uh, we got an interesting, should be an interesting baseball season. It's all covered under one subscription package. Go check it out, dfsr.com slash deals. You get a free trial, so there's no risk for the first seven days. Buddy, enjoy your Tuesday night in basketball. How could I not?